You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. She's got the news. She talks with newsmakers. She encourages us to laugh, and she cries with us. Speaking truth to power and questioning authority daily, it's the Nicole Sandler Show. Oh, my God, and let me just say, the news really sucks. (laughs) Can you tell I'm in one of those moods again? The news really sucks, and this is what we're in for for the next two weeks. Everything, everything this Republican leadership in the House is doing is meant to inflict harm is meant to be um, vindictive and ugly and um, and to hurt you. To hurt not only you, but me, all of us. And I don't understand why people vote for Republicans. So the first thing that they passed after the ridiculous rules package is basically this bill to defund the IRS. What happened was, in I think it was in the Inside the Inflation Reduction Act, Joe Biden put through something to fund the hiring of more IRS agents. You know why? So that they can perform audits on the high earners. And I hate the word earners because the people who make over a million dollars a year, and I know that's on the low end of the scale, don't actually earn it. They make it. Other people usually earn it for them, but they don't share in the wealth. And those people, these high-income people, not earners, the people who are, who are swimming in the bucks, hire big-dollar attorneys to, to fend off the IRS. So it's more expensive for the IRS to have those, to, to audit the accounts that need to be audited. Because, frankly, we're not getting, we, the government, we, the people are the government, are not getting the income in terms of tax dollars from the wealthiest individuals and corporations because they have lawyers that get them around the law that take advantage of the loopholes. This money was to make sure that the people who should be paying the taxes actually pay the taxes. But what's the first thing these cretins in the Republican Party do is they they, they repeal the order to hire these new agents. Well, she's back. 
politics girl has something to say about this. I think. Come on. Let's be very clear. The Republicans don't want the IRS funded. In fact, they've said one of the first things they plan to do when they regain power is to repeal the funding the IRS is receiving from the Inflation Reduction Act. Why is that? Because they care so much about you, the little guy, the real American, and making sure we don't get audited? No. The little guy gets audited all the time. In fact, the IRS has told us hundreds of times that they can only really afford to audit the little guy. Because the big dogs, the ones that get out of paying trillions of dollars a year in taxes, they have teams of expensive lawyers that the IRS just can't I afford just to compete said that, with. Right? Yeah. So they try and make up those tax losses on the backs of us regular people. They have no choice. They keep asking for a bigger budget to go after the real cheats, but until now, they didn't have it. We're supposed to believe that the party who voted against raising the minimum wage and capping insulin prices and equal pay for equal work is just suddenly looking out for the people. Yeah, right. We're supposed to buy that the Republicans who are running to repeal lower prescription drug prices and affordable health care for seniors, the party who tried a hundred different ways to get rid of the Affordable Care Act and who wants to phase out Social Security and Medicare is just looking out for us normies. Come on. Hell didn't freeze over. Republicans don't want to fund the IRS because it'll finally have the budget to go after their donors, their lobbyists, the industries that cheat us and support them. And just so we're clear, the 87,000 IRS employees that were proposed in the Inflation Reduction Act yeah. are to be hired over the course of 10 years. 10 years! That number is meant to reflect everything from mm. the janitorial staff to people who are retiring during that time. So there won't be 87,000 new IRS agents. Ultimately, there might be around 10,000. The goal is to make sure the department is properly funded so they have the resources and the personnel to hold the biggest tax evaders accountable. Who would vote against that? We leave trillions of dollars on the table a year. Trillions of dollars that would allow us to pay for everything from infrastructure to defense, to shore up Social Security and pay for services and help the American people. Making sure the IRS has proper funding has to do with balancing the budget, lowering our deficit, mm. taking care of our citizens. Our taxes pay for things. Democrats want to make sure you get what you pay for. Republicans want to make sure they don't have to pay for a single thing you get. Don't let them trick you. This isn't about you. It's never been about you. Mm. It's always and forever about them. Use your noodle. Always and forever about them. That's Politics Girl. You can subscribe to her podcast. You should. She's good. She's really good. Um, and she said that concisely and everything she said, I fully agree with. These people are insane. And, um, you know, I've got a bunch of stuff. The shit that went on today is just stunning. So they, they, they rescinded the plan to hire more IRS workers. Because as you heard her say, they're not all agents and they're not all coming on at once. There was that 87,000 more people being hired, hired now. That's over 10 years. And God forbid we audit the people who are cheating the U.S. Treasury out of tax dollars that they should be paying. You see, they don't care about you. They care about the corporations. They care about the uber billionaires because that's who's contributing to them. <laughs> so some of the other stuff. So, you know, the first bill, right, the one that um, they passed that rescinded that, the IRS thing, actually... The CBO scored it and it adds, you know, supposedly this is going to save money. Well, no, not so, not so fast, my friend. Um, according to the CBO, it adds um, $114 billion to the deficit. And Jake Tapper, 
on on uh, Fox Light. Oh, I'm sorry, on CNN. Uh, apparently tried to uh, talk to one of the Republican representatives about that. This is Mike Johnson. I don't know who he's with, but he's now on the Judiciary Committee. All right, so what happened here? I quoted the CBO, and you went after them. They're nonpartisan, too. Listen, the the CBO doesn't have a lot of credibility here right now. Their analysis is wildly inaccurate in a lot of ways, and they don't always... Uh, do appropriate analysis. I, <laughs> look, I, I think there's going to be some reforms in that arena as well as we go forward. We have to have dynamic scoring. We have to look at reality when we, we uh, give estimates on what legislation is going to cost. And the CBO doesn't do that all the time. I mean, when they come out with an estimate on Capitol Hill right now, there's lots of eye rolling, typically. And that's a problem. And that's part of the problem we have with transparency and doing the American people's business in the way it should be done. And we are working every day blah, 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 work blah, 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 to reform blah. these processes to make Washington work for the people again. I, look, this is common sense uh, ideas blah, blah, that we blah, have blah, transparency blah, blah. and accountability. And I think everybody's for that. Uh, well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, why not just be honest about what the bill would actually yeah. do? It's, it's, I am honest. I, uh, you said 87,000 IRS agents. That's not Jake, what it is. Jake, that is exactly what it is. Bullshit. That is the Treasury's own published report in 2021 that they said, as you noted, over a 10-year period, they wanted to add Over a 10-year period. Something employees, agents. and not employees. agents, employees. Oh, Jake, Jake, you know what all those positions are going to be? <laughs> Have you seen that analysis? So you're saying yeah. every one of the 86,000-plus is no. going to be an IRS agent? I'm not saying every one of them, uh-huh. but I'm saying a large percentage oh, of those God. will be IRS employees who are deemed as agents to go after so and do what? audits. So what? That's a, large, a very important function do of the IRS, and it's what they do. And do that's, you- that's not hyperbole. That's what's on paper. Oh, Do God. you think that there is a problem in this country of wealthy individuals and companies not paying their fair share in taxes? Yeah. That's, that has been a problem, of course. But it's, <laughs> so it's, don't um, do anything about it. We're not preventing that. The IRS has an oh important job God. to go after tax cheats. Absolutely. And we support that. Sure we're the you law do. and order team. We, <laughs> we want these things to be done properly. But what this provision would have had the effect of doing is making life harder for middle-class working families Bullshit. and small businesses. Bullshit. Full stop. Bullshit. That's what the Bullshit. nonpartisan Bullshit. analysis Bullshit. evaluated. Bullshit. And that's why Bullshit. we know that this was a top agenda item on the hearts and minds of the American people. Well, why that's not, why we delivered it. So instead of just removing the funding, why not saying you can use the funding, but you can only go after individuals who make over $5 million a year? Yeah. Look, we, we're, we're open to a, oh, a sure proper you're, you're analysis. Oh, sure. You're open to and nothing. A, and a proper, proper instructions from Congress on the use of those funds. Lie, la, lie. Lie, la, lie, 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 la, lie. That's what uh, Paul Simon's singing there, right? Lie, la, lie. It's for the, the Republicans. They're so full of shit. So th- that's one thing, right? That's just one of many. It's the old going back to the days of Trump where you threw all this shit against the wall and see, see what sticks, right? The other thing they're doing is, um, you know, their, their new committee to, uh, I don't even know what to call it. Uh, their new House Committee Against Un-American Activities. <laughs> well, they want to stop that. In fact, Adam Schiff, Adam Schiff, you tell us what the hell this is all about. Because this is, uh, this is frightening. They have, they are, they've put together a subcommittee a subcommittee, to go under the Judiciary Committee, which will be chaired by Jim Jordan. I mean, I just, it's hard to say these words. Jim fucking Jordan is going to chair this committee and um, to undermine the work of investigating the people who try to overthrow 
a legitimate election. The people who attacked the Capitol. Uh, Here's Adam Schiff explaining about this committee to undermine the committee. Mr. Speaker, I rise in strong opposition to the Republican Select Subcommittee to investigate deep state conspiracy theories. (laughs) Please. And if you had any doubt about what this committee is really about, about its true focus, my colleague from Montana just confirmed this is all about deep state nonsense. Nonsense. Republicans claim without merit that this subcommittee will investigate the so-called weaponization of the federal government. (laughs) But what it's really intended to do is to undermine the legitimate investigation of President Trump's incitement of a violent attack on this building, on this capital, on this citadel of democracy, an investigation that implicates some of the very members of this body who want to sit on that committee. Uh, Wait, wait, there's more. Who want to sit on this committee? Keep going, Congressman, because you're on a roll here. Mr. Speaker, I rise in strong opposition. Oh, shoot, it's the same one. Never mind, I pulled the same one twice. He he continued, sorry, that's that damn producer again. I don't know what to do about her. So as if that's not bad enough, it gets even better. Remember Ryan Zinke? Ryan Zinke was the... um, Montana. Whoops. Gentleman oh, from hold Montana's on. You know what? For- oh, I should. Hold on. I, I got to back up. I, I will go back to this one because because he takes the cake, the proverbial cake. But I, I, let me first play a clip from Dan Goldman. Do, did you remember Dan Goldman? He was one of the lawyers who worked on the first impeachment. He's a former Justice Department attorney who became an impeachment lawyer during the first impeachment. And now... Um, is in the House of Representatives. And, um, well, he has a few words to say about the Republican committee to investigate the committee investigating the insurrection. The primary purpose of this special subcommittee is to interfere with the special counsel's ongoing investigation into a conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election. This is a shocking abuse of power. But it's not just the usual efforts by members on the other side of the aisle to once again do Donald Trump's dirty work. No. This time, they're trying to protect themselves. One of them, a member from Pennsylvania, had his cell phone seized pursuant to a court order finding probable cause that he committed a crime. Yet he has indicated that he wants to be on this subcommittee so that he can undermine a criminal investigation into himself. My Republican counterparts can dress up the subcommittee with a menacing name, but let's call it what it really is, the Republican Committee to Obstruct Justice. The American people don't want that. They don't want yet another front of the Republican war on democracy and the rule of law. I will vote no and urge everyone to do so. Thank you. Good for him. So that's Daniel Goldman. This committee is a farce. It's a joke. It, 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 you know what? It's sickening and it's stomach churning. And yeah, it's one of the things that's gotten me pissed off today. There's more. Oh, we'll get into them. But now let me go back to Ryan Zinke. Ryan Zinke, one of the um, uh, interior secretaries under the former guy who was corrupt as all hell. He was the one if and I could be wrong because every one of uh, the former guy's cabinet members had some kind of 
fucked upness about them. Zinke, isn't he the guy who put the flag up whenever he was there? He thinks he's the Pope or whatever. I, I, these people have such an inflamed sense of importance. It's it's. It's stomach churning. I know I keep saying that, but I, I can't think of another polite term to use. I can think of others that aren't so polite. But so Zinke gets up and uh, on the floor of the House because he's now a member ugh, of the House of Representatives. And he actually says this. Get ready to laugh because it's you, you laugh or you, you cry. Gentlemen from Montana is recognized for two minutes. Mr. Speaker, I rise today in support of a select committee to investigate the weaponization of the, the federal weaponization government, of the federal something government. I have a lot of experience firsthand. I proudly served as the 52nd Secretary of Interior, and despite the deep state's repeatedly attempts to stop me, I stand before you as a duly elected member of the United States Congress <laughs> oh, and tell you. you that a deep state exists <laughs> and is perhaps the strongest covert weapon the left has against the American people. Oh, there really? There is no wow. doubt the federal government deep state coordinates really? liberal activists Ooh. and uses politicians and willing media to carry their water. <laughs> Deep State runs secret messaging campaigns Whoa. with one goal in mind. We do. To increase its power uh-huh. to censor and persuade the American people. Uh-huh. Dark money groups funded by liberal billionaires and foreign investors <laughs> funnel money to shell organizations and repeatedly attempt to destroy oh the American West. Uh-huh. In many cases, they want to wipe out the American cowboy completely. They want to wipe out the American cowboy completely. Turn Montana into a national park. Oh come on! They want to control our land. All right, enough. I enough enough. Ryan Zinke. I just need you to shut the fuck up, cause nobody asked you, bitch. I need you to shut the fuck up, bitch. Shut the fuck up, bitch. Just shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up, bitch. My God. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. You know, the opposite world nature of these people is just in your face. You know, I talk about opposite world, but we haven't explained it lately. Everything you thought you knew, you never knew at all. Sideways is straight ahead. Facts no longer matter. Reality is now fiction. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, Opposite World. The liberal billionaire. The liberal billionaires are funding the deep state. Really? Aside from, um, uh, what's his name? George Soros. Tell me another liberal billionaire, please. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'm still waiting. Liberal billionaires. I'll take liberal billionaires for a thousand, Alex. Or is it Ken now? As long as it's not Mayim, I'll be happy. Yeah, no, the, the, the dark money groups funding the deep state. They look in the damn mirror. So Katie Porter steps up yesterday and we played the video yesterday when Laffy was here. Katie Porter says, I'm running for the Senate. It's about time. We need a change. She didn't address Dianne Feinstein, but she explained all the reasons why she's running. And I applaud her for it. And I'm not alone. But I got to say, shame on Adam Schiff and shame on Barbara Lee 
Really. I love Barbara Lee. I really, really do. But Barbara Lee told the members of the Congressional Black Caucus, I guess this morning, that she too will launch a bid for Dianne Feinstein's Senate seat. Good. You know what? I wish she had done it 10 years ago. Barbara Lee, I love Barbara Lee. She's 76 years old. That means at the time of the 2024 elections, when that Senate seat will be open, she will be 78. Again, you know, Bernie Sanders is a lively young 80-year-old. And Barbara Lee is pretty damn good for 76. But a Senate term lasts six years. And I really hope whoever takes this seat, whatever Democrat wins this seat after Dianne Feinstein retires, will hold on to it for at least three or four terms. That will not be Barbara Lee. I'm sorry, you don't launch your maiden senatorial campaign at 77 years old. You just don't. But to make matters worse, she threw shade at Katie Porter. She said, here's a quote, uh, in a closed-door CBC Congressional Black Caucus meeting today, she was asked about her plans. Lee said in a brief interview, she'd officially announce, quote, when it's appropriate. She continued, quote, right now, in respect to Diane Feinstein and the floods and what I'm doing, I'm doing my work. And we'll let them know when I intend to go to the next step. But now is not the time to talk about that. In other words, she, along with Adam Schiff, is saying, well, now's not the time because there's rains and flooding going on in California. She said, I'm really not doing anything except letting colleagues know that there will be a time to talk about the Senate race. Really, Barbara Lee? This woman, for whom I have so much respect, just dropped about 10 notches in my book. That's, you know, that's unnecessary and very disappointing. And Adam shifted the same thing. Well, now's not the time. Really? Now's exactly the time. Maybe if Dianne Feinstein gave a shit about climate change and worked to do something to mitigate the effects, California wouldn't be under flooding zones right now. Uh, You know, Democrats pulling victory from the pulling defeat from the jaws of victory time and time and time again. Unreal. Just unreal. I applaud Katie Porter, for for throwing her hat in the ring, for jumping into the race. Good for her. Yeah, Stephanie in the chat room says, Barbara Lee and Adam Schiff are just jealous that Katie Porter beat them to the punch. I agree. You know what? If you wait for the perfect time to do anything, you'll never do anything. Tell me the last time the stars aligned and it was the perfect time to do anything, to move, to buy a house, to get pregnant, to get married. Right now is not the right time in history for anything. If we waited till the perfect moment for anything, nothing would get done. Uh, Just, just, I'm so sick of all these people. But I'm not as sick of the Democrats as I am of the Republicans. So you got this George Santos guy. Republican 
leaders, party leaders in Nassau County, New York. This is this is the first, the closest part of Long Island to the city. So you got Queens and then you got Nassau County. You got Roslyn and um, uh, Great Neck and, you know, the very beginnings, the most western part of Long Island is um, Nassau County. And these Nassau County um, uh, representatives are pissed. uh, Republican Party leaders in Nassau County today called on George Santos to resign from Congress immediately over his serial fabrications. The chair of the Republican Party of Nassau County called Santos' campaign last year one, uh, quote, of deceit, lies, and fabrication. Uh, Some Republicans see this as a necessary move to prevent the Biden one swing seat from flipping back to Democrats next year. What? And the thing is, it's not only local officials either. Um, There is another freshman Republican in the House, a guy named Anthony DeEsposito, also of New York, who also called on Santos to resign. But Santos says he's not going anywhere. He responded to reporters' questions by saying they hadn't yet seen the Nassau news. What? And Kevin McCarthy, the weasel without a spine, um, told CNN's Manu Raju that Santos wouldn't get placed on any of the highest profile committees like Ways or Means or Judiciary. But make no mistake, they're going to seat him because they need his vote. They don't care that he lied, cheat, and stole his way into the House. They do not give a shit. All they care about are the numbers. It, it's, it's demoralizing. And I'll tell you, um, I, I never thought I'd be singing the praises of Hakeem Jeffries. But, um, you know, even though I may have preferred a different member of the House Democrats to uh, perhaps be the next speaker, um, I, I got to say, uh, and look, I'll have plenty, plenty of time, um, I'm sure, to... <laughs> to um, um, register my dissatisfaction with Hakeem Jeffries at some point down the line. But right now, right now, uh, I, I'm kind of applauding the, what he's done. So he took to the House floor today. Hakeem Jeffries had a few words to say. The 118th Congress has begun. And the differences between our side of the aisle and the other side of the aisle couldn't be any clearer. Now, let me, of course, reiterate that as Democrats, we look forward to trying to find common ground whenever and wherever possible to solve issues of consequence on behalf of the American people. But we will oppose extremism whenever it rears its ugly head. Democrats have made clear we are going to continue to work on issues like lower costs, better paying jobs, safer communities, defend democracy, protect the public interests. Ensure economic opportunity in every single zip code, and yes, fight for reproductive freedom. My Republican colleagues, you promised to come to Washington to fight for the American people, but have spent a lot of time fighting each other on politics, power, and personality, not working on issues related to the public interest. That's what the last few days have indicated, an extreme MAGA Republican 
agenda. Now that you are getting into substance, on Monday, you pass a bill designed to allow the wealthy, the well-off, and the well-connected to cheat on their taxes, subsidize yep. the lifestyles of the rich and shameless, benefit rich millionaires and, and billionaires, yep. not working-class families, not middle-class families, not low-income families, not veterans, not everyday Americans, the wealthy, the well-off, and the well-connected. That was on Monday. Then on Tuesday, you come to the floor and you pass a select committee on insurrection protection, a committee that is clearly designed, in the words of some of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, to obstruct justice as part of your evident desire, as many of you have said, to eventually defund the FBI. That was Tuesday. And now on Wednesday, you come to the floor. Nothing on inflation, nothing on quality of life issues for the American people, nothing even on public safety. But you come to the floor as part of your march to criminalize abortion care, to impose a nationwide ban, to set into motion government-mandated pregnancies. Yeah. So that's the distinction for today. As Democrats, we believe in a woman's freedom to make her own reproductive health care decisions. What a concept. Period. Full stop. A decision that should be between a woman, her family, and her doctors. You think? Period. Full stop. We believe in Roe v. Wade. You wonder about our position? That's it. The Women's Health Protection Act. That's it. That's it. Freedom to make your own reproductive health care decisions. That's it. That's it. As compared to a clear effort, that's what this bill is about today, a march toward criminalizing abortion care, hmm. a nationwide ban, government-mandated pregnancies, part of an extreme MAGA Republican agenda. And so, yes, we continue to extend our hand of partnership if you truly want to work on quality of life issues. But we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it on Monday. We haven't seen it on Tuesday. And we're not seeing it today. So we oppose this bill. We oppose an extreme MAGA Republican agenda. And let's get back to the business of the American people. I yield back. That is Hakeem Jeffries, uh, the House minority leader now. Uh, that's two speeches so far that I've played that are, are pretty impressive. I'm glad he's speaking. I'm glad we have someone articulate to speak out. Um, I, I don't know what good it'll do. So now is a good time to bring in our guest. We we thought we'd talk to Will Bunch last Wednesday, but sometimes shit falls through the cracks, huh, Will? <laughs> I'll, I'll never live this down the rest of my life. I, I am so sorry. To you and to your listeners for just having a brain fart. It was just yeah. a brain fart, right? You just totally forgot. I just totally um, forgot. I, I'm sorry yeah. to to do this. I've just stopped dead in my tracks from a comment in the chat room where someone just informed me that legendary rock guitarist Jeff Beck has died at age 78. Oh, that's very sad. It's very I mean, sad. Uh, 
You know, uh, he just released great. a great album and he is was right. one of the best guitar players ever. Um, blow by Blow, brilliant album, start to finish. And I wasn't big as a kid on instrumentals, but that album, I can, I can sing every note of his guitar work. Um, yeah, it's funny, in the, in the mid-70s, which was kind of his heyday, I mean, instrumentals were have been popular and were kind of dying out, but he was like kind of the king of guitar instrumental work. And, um, you know, I, I saw... The last time I remember seeing him, uh, you might remember this, Nicole. Wasn't he on Saturday Night Live? And I forget if it was solo or if he was backing up some other celebrity. Might have, well, so, you know, he uh, recently he he's amazing, worked with yeah. Johnny Depp. Now, Johnny Depp, people don't understand, started out down. He, he's from here. He's from Miramar, Florida, just down the road. Oh. And he had a rock band. In fact, I have a friend whose mother managed them. They were called the kids. And um, uh, they started out down here, he, you know, back in the 80s, late 70s, early 80s. They were a thing. And so Johnny Depp's background came uh, from music. And I guess he and Jeff Beck were friends and they toured together very recently. I, honestly, I didn't listen to what they did together because right. I'm kind of not big on Johnny Depp. But um, he was touring just now, I, I I don't know what happened, um, but yeah, yeah. Chat in the chat room. Depp was from Miramar. I just said that the kids played in Halland. They played all over mm -hmm. South Florida. So um, this is just very sad. I'm gonna have to listen to Blow by Blow tonight. Well, you know, you know, in the in the 1960s and and, and early 1970s, you had such an explosion of pop culture beyond what it had been. But I mean, especially with just the the rock the rock music revolution after the Beatles. And it created so many, you know, deserving celebrities in that age group. And so here we are 50 years later and they're in their mid seventies, late seventies, their eighties, some of them. Yeah. And so, you know, it's becoming a regular occurrence. Uh, it seems like almost every day, every day. And it's going to keep somebody, happening. Somebody from a, Somebody from a, a band from that era seems to pass away just about every day. And it's just, uh, I mean, it's a fact of life. I know. You know it's, it's, a, it's the circle of life, but it's still, it's still, you know, depressing. It is. And, and it's our rock gods that, you know, Will, we've talked about this before. We're right around the same age. So yeah. we grew up with this music. In fact, yeah. guess who I get to interview next week? <laughs> I, I, you know, uh, I'm giving you an idea that it's a rocker from this age, from this genre. There's so many. Great I know. Ones, I'll, 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 because uh, I can't make you guess. Um, yeah. Dave Mason. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dave Mason, again, at, I think he's 76 and he's out touring. So he's doing a bunch of dates in South Florida starting uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, including at the Broward Center. He's doing some blues cruise with a bunch of bands. And then uh, throughout the state of Florida, he's touring. And I, I think I think I'm going to interview him on Monday. We'll tape it, and then I'll play it back on the following Friday before the uh, the concert. But I'm thrilled. I mean, uh, Dave Mason, traffic. You know, uh, Jeff yeah. Beck. Someone said the Yardbirds, Beck, Bogart, and Apathy. Remember that? I mean, he, he, it's just sad. And this is yeah, going to keep I mean, happening. I mean, I mean, when I, when I started listening to album rock as a, as a, as a, as a high school student in the, in the mid seventies, you know, Jeff Beck and, and traffic, you know, John Barleycorn must uh, die. Yeah. And Glad Freedom Writer. Yeah. I mean, what a great opening track, right? You know, I mean, 
I mean, those were just staples uh, of the radio. So, uh, but yeah, it's that'll that'll be a good interview. You know, a lot of a lot of these uh, a lot of these folks, they're they you know they're they're kind of like they're they're still working. They're a lot of them are very political. They watch yep. what's going on. Yep. They, you know. So uh, that'll be And some of them went the wrong way, Eric Clapton Van Morrison. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, because yeah. some people, the older they get, the more curmudgeonly they get, I guess. And uh, I mean, Clapton, I'll still listen. And Van Morrison, who was always one of my favorites, I guess I'll listen to their older music. I'm not going to listen to anything they're putting out now. That's mm-hmm. the anti-vax nonsense. Yeah, but, I mean, I'll never forget 10 years ago when somebody tracked down Mo Tucker from the Velvet Underground and she was in the Tea Party. Remember that? Oh, God. I mean, you I know, don't remember that, just, but yeah, no, that yeah. kind of stuff happens. I mean, I mean, thank thank God, it's I mean, it's a small minority, but uh, it's it's inevitable. People do, people get their people go off in their different political directions sometimes, you know. Yeah, it's Especially when they get when they get older. Yeah. I know, but it's sad. It's sad when you find out your heroes aren't as smart as you gave them credit for being, right? Well, they say never meet your heroes, but you know, right? I the mean, musical some, heroes, but some, but some, but some of them are worth meeting, but some of them are going to disappoint you. Yes. So. Well, you know, life, people disappoint you. What are you going to do? It, you yeah. know. Um, anyway, that's, this is not why I called on Will Bunch to, but, <laughs> but the news broke that Jeff Beck died. And I, that's very sad. Yeah. Um, no, we should talk about that. Yeah. So, we, so did, yeah. we did. Um, uh, so, so Will Bunch, oh my God, what a, what a beginning of a new year, new Congress, yeah. huh? Uh, you know, the Democrats held on, held on to the Senate. We have a president in the White House. The House just barely lost it. And there's this guy, George Santos, who you wrote about at the Philadelphia Inquirer, where Will Bunch writes a column and a newsletter that you should subscribe to, that that George Santos should not be there. And apparently, Kevin McCarthy told a CNN reporter today that he's not going to put him on any of the big, important committees but he's going to put him on committees and he's going to keep him in the House, even though every single detail about his life that he told during his campaign was a lie. We don't know anything about this man. And yet he's sitting in the House of Representatives. Is that right? It's, 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 it's crazy. And, you know, I mean, I mean, his case is so extreme that today we are seeing some some factions of the Republican Party, like his home, his home base, you know, the. Nassau County, and and I worked on I worked on Long Island in the in the nineteen eighties uh, for Newsday, and uh, you know Nassau County Republicans they used to be this efficient machine. They obviously the fact that they could run this guy for Congress twice just kind of blows my mind. But anyway, you know they've called on him to resign or whatever. But you know you know it, when <laughs> when Jeff Beck was in his heyday in the nineteen seventies, uh, somebody like. Somebody like a George Santos wouldn't have lasted two days. No. He would have been, he would have been forced to resign in shame. But you know, today's Republican Party, it's like, what's what's the maximum we can get away with? Now, in this case, you know, you mentioned Kevin McCarthy. I mean, Kevin McCarthy desperately needed Santos's vote yeah. to win that speaker election last year. Yes, he week. did. And so there was no way. I mean, think about it. Uh, you know, uh, I don't I don't know if you've talked about this on the show yet, but a story came out this week about Santos that he had hired this aide who was making fundraising calls, pretending, impersonating to people that he was Kevin McCarthy's chief of staff. Yeah. He would, this guy who was just some schlub from 
New Jersey would like call people up and say, Hey, um, and I forget the guy's name now, but I'm so-and-so Kevin McCarthy's chief of staff. Uh, we really need you to help out uh, this guy, George Santos on Long Island. I mean, th- I mean, th- th- that's criminal fraud. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, it couldn't happen the nicer guys, right? Republican donors, but but still, these people were being defrauded by the, you know, by these people. But so here's Kevin McCarthy, who is a victim of this fraud, basically, because they're they used his name to raise money, and he doesn't care because he wants the vote, and he, you know, he wanted the vote, you know, for his rules package, and he want he's gonna so he's gonna he's going to keep Santos around as long as that vote is useful. And he'll say stuff like, Oh, well, we can't put him on a committee. I mean, look, if the guy, if the guy isn't qualified to serve on a committee, then he shouldn't be in Congress period. He, he exactly. He, sh- know, he I, If somebody should be in jail, he shouldn't be in Congress, but, but the Republicans won't probably, do anything about it. Well, he will be in jail someday because other people, people other than Kevin McCarthy are, are going to be making that decision. Thankfully, yeah. but, uh, you know, but, um, uh, but until he's in jail, they can use his vote and, and, uh, and they will. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's just really, uh, it, it's really a disgusting situation. I mean, I mean, we've never, I mean, I, you know, I, you know, I've, I've covered politics for 40 years now and I, I don't think I, I've never seen, I've never seen a, a politician at that level who was a complete fraud the way that, that George Santos is. It's quite, I mean, it's a fascinating story. I mean, it, it's just something new comes out every day. That um, uh, One of the, I think one of the Nassau County Republicans or something who called on him to resign today said, yeah, he told us, he told us that he was a star volleyball player at Baruch <laughs> College. <laughs> like, Yes. I don't know. Does Brew College even have a volleyball team? Who knows? I don't know. But he just like, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, people compared him to that uh, John Lovett's character, the liar on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Who said he was married to Morgan, his wife, Morgan Fairchild, right? You know, (laughs) I mean, um, I mean, it's that, it's that, I mean, clearly the guy is just, I mean, he's a compulsive liar because I mean, I mean, look, I mean, I mean, obviously he's not the first politician who lied about, his resume is in like where he went to college. I mean, that's been done before and, or, or lying about his career and job. I mean, I mean, he did it on an, on an extreme level, but he, but he also lied about things that were just completely unnecessary. You know, that his mother died on nine 11, but she also died in 2016. (laughs) Right. There there was, there was no, I mean, there was no. He's Jewish. He's Jewish. He's, he's uh, black. He's white. He's a white supremacist. I don't know if he actually did the thing, but it sure looked like he did. I don't think it was Photoshopped. I real everything. And so today the um, top Republicans in Nassau County held this press conference. Actually, I've got a clip of it. Here's a little bit of what they said. I think. Here we go. So thank you all for coming today. We're gathered here today to talk about George Santos. From Long Island. George Santos campaign <laughs> I, I last that year in 2022. <laughs> and it's, that's it. Hello, Anthony. Hello, Anthony. George Santos's <laughs> campaign last year was a campaign of deceit, lies, and fabrication. Yeah. He deceived the voters of the 3rd Congressional District. He deceived the members of the Nassau County Republican Committee, elected officials, his colleagues, 
candidates, his opponents, and even some of the media. <laughs> some his of lies media. were not mere fibs. He disgraced the House of Representatives, and in particular, his fabrications went too far. Many groups were hurt. <laughs> Specifically, I look at those families that were touched by the horrors of the Holocaust. There's no place in the Nassau County Republican <laughs> well, Committee, they are Republicans, nor yeah. should he serve in public service, nor as an elected official. He's not welcome here at Republican headquarters for meetings or at any of our events. As I said, he's disgraced the House of Representatives, and we do not consider him one of our Congress people. So it went on from there, but that gives you an idea. That is the Nassau County chair of the Nassau County Republican Party. And he's not welcome here, but he's welcome in Congress because Kevin McCarthy needs his vote. Yeah. And I should say, just say quickly again, I mean, I I have mixed feelings about the Nassau County Republican Party, of (laughs) of course. Well, I mean, I mean, I covered them in the 1980. Well, I I actually didn't really cover them directly because I was actually based in Suffolk County, the other county. But uh, I I followed them in the 1980s when they were very, very corrupt, you know, kind of, you know, very corrupt organization. But beyond beyond that, though, I mean, in, in the present situation, yeah, I mean, they were a victim of, 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 of George Santos. He lied to them. But, you know, aside from the fact that, I mean, they, they didn't vet this guy, but why why was he even their candidate? I mean, even, I mean, the, I mean, he was even, even if you believed his resume, he just came out of nowhere. This is, this is a district. There's lots of, you know, Republican mayors and officials and, and, you know, the Republic, you know, the Nassau County Republican party, like I said, it's not what it used to be, but it's been this machine for decades and they couldn't find a better candidate than George Santos for, for a competitive, you know, I mean, Dave Wasserman, uh, the, uh, the uh, election guru was, was saying the same thing on, on Twitter today that um, this, this was a competitive seat, you know, this was a seat, this was a seat that they could have, could have picked up they did pick it up they picked it up um but they didn't think to to run a qualified candidate but I hey mean, well let me ask you this though you said you are you were in suffolk county which is the other county on long island that's further right. to the east that's the hamptons and all that for the, the east side of, yeah, <laughs> of long island, long island. Okay. um i worked at a radio station in riverhead Yes. For, uh, WRCN. Oh, and wow. which, so I worked there weekends. I worked in the city during the week and I drive out to Riverhead on weekends. Yeah. And during the winter, it sucked. But during the I, summer. I, think, I, think I, I might have listened to that station. You probably sometimes. did. I it was a rock station. And during the summer, I was I broadcasted to the Hamptons, which meant I was broadcasting to the city. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. The media really dropped the ball here. How did nobody vet this guy? How did I, nobody say, who is this man, and check out his story? Well, and I, and I say this, and I'm, I'm not making excuses for anybody, but you know, we all know that the local media has just been depleted and devastated. Like in, um, you know, I, I mean, most of your listeners who, of course, aren't from Long Island won't, won't know the media landscape very well, right. but... Um, Long Island, it's a, obviously it's a suburb of New York City, but it also has its own paper and Newsday, huh? which, which you know, which you know from your time there. Um, in its heyday, you know, I mean, I worked there, but I mean, it was an it was an amazing. It was a great paper. paper. It, it's it's won nineteen Pulitzer prizes. Uh-huh. Uh, it had a huge 
um, investigative reporting team. Uh, again, I'm not talking about today. I'm talking about the 1980s and 70s, 80s, yep. 90s. Yep. Yep. And um, myself as a local reporter covering Suffolk County, so I, I covered some congressional races, actually. So I, I would have covered the equivalent of a race like the George Santos race when I worked there. And we, you know, covered the heck out of these things. You know, I, I still remember there was a guy there was a guy named George Hockbruckner, who was this like Democratic congressman from totally forgotten now, but was the Democratic congressman from I think he represented Riverhead, actually, that area. And um, so I went down to D.C. and spent an entire day with George Hockbruckner. It was probably the most boring day I've ever spent in D.C. in my life. But, you know, just following this guy around because that's what we did. You know, I, I, uh, I, I said in the column I wrote about Santos that. Um, I'm still mad that uh, back in the old days when I used to be a Mets fan before I switched to the Phillies, <laughs> but but uh, I, uh, uh, I I missed Game Four of the 1986 World Series, this iconic event for a Mets fan, because I had to moderate a debate in that congressional race. Oh no! Because that's what Newsday did. We gave extensive coverage yeah. to these candidates. So if if the George Santos race this year or last year had been covered the way that we covered elections in the 1980s with the, with the amount of manpower, person power that, uh, that we had back then that there's no, there's no way he would have got, you know, the, the stuff in his background would have gotten checked out and there's no way he would have gotten away with it. But um, Newsday isn't that paper anymore. It's been through a change of ownership. It's owned by a local guy who's dramatically cut staff. Um, most, most of the people I, were my editors at Newsday back in those days are now journalism professors at SUNY Stony Brook because uh, they were forced out of the business and um, they just have they just have a much smaller staff. And that's and that's the story in newspapers across the country. I don't know if it's the situation at the Philadelphia Inquirer where you work, but in Florida, Miami Herald has been gutted. The Sun Sentinel, the Tribune Corporation, has been gutted because they've all been bought up by by hedge funds. That are not yeah, in the news I, business; they're in the money business, right? And and you know and and you know that at all of those papers, like the Miami Herald is a great example, which which of course you know well being down there, you, you know that they have some amazing journalists who work there. Uh, one of them is one of my best friends in journalism, Julie K. Brown. Oh, uh, sure. Who, oh. Who, I, who I used to work with at, at the Philadelphia Daily News and was was a drinking buddy of mine, and uh, went on to, uh, you know destroy Jeffrey Epstein. Yes, she did. You know? and, yes, and, she uh, did. And, she, and she's not the only one. There's a lot of really good people there. But at the same time, you know, I, I haven't been to Florida in a few years, but I used to go You're down there. Missing from anything. Time. I, and I would pick, of course, I would pick up the Miami Herald when I was in South Florida. And I would, I would be like, oh, my God, is this all there is? It's you a know? pamphlet I mean, now. It's a pamphlet yeah. now. Right. And yeah. they do this, like, featurey thing on the front page now a few days a week. So, you you know, you generally you look for the front page for the breaking news, and there's a whole thing about some basketball player or something. It just is horrible. It's, it's yeah, embarrassing. So, the, so the, but the point is there are, are, are many quality journalists still working today, but there's not enough of them. And, um, it, it, you know, in papers, just, just, you know, any local papers, you know, I mean, you know, the New York Times and the Washington Post, which is what mo- what most people read and subscribe to, yeah. they're in a league to the, of their own because they're national papers. And, and even, but even they're having problems. 50, well, yeah, they have other issues, which we, we won't talk about today, but, but just local, when we're talking about the Miami Herald, you're talking about Newsday, you're talking, 
now you're talking about the next tier. And then, of course, there's the tier below that of, you know, small town newspapers, which have been, been gutted even much more substantially. So um, it, it, it's a crisis and we, and we still haven't you know figured out the answer. I know, you know, I know Congress was considering legislation recently. I, I think it was called the something like the Support Local Journalism yeah. Act. And uh, of course, of course, it hasn't passed. And I can't imagine it's a big priority for Kevin McCarthy and his goons. So uh, probably we probably won't see it happen now. But, um, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I've always had mixed feelings about government support for journalism, but if it can be done the right way, um, you know, it, it needs help. But I mean, I mean, the best way is just for the public to, to, to support it. I mean, you know, it, it, it's weird. <laughs> I just got into a thing on Twitter about this the last couple of days, but you know, um, you know, 30 years ago, the, the only way to get news was you had to go, you know, I mean, either you had a subscription to your paper and it got thrown mm-hmm. on your doorstep right. or, or you went to the, local you know tom thumb or or wawa or wherever you live and, and you picked you up a paper. Down right. 25 cents or 50 cents and you didn't think twice about paying that 50 cents to buy the paper but now as papers try and put up paywalls for digital like no, nobody likes paywalls i mean they're like they're like tolls nobody nobody likes them but people you know i mean it, it's like, you know, it's like you tip your waitress. You know? I, I get like, it. People, but devil's advocate. So, Will Bunch, I want to read your column. But the Philadelphia Inquirer has a paywall. However, if you subscribe to Will Bunch's newsletter, it's you just go to inquirer.com slash bunch. You sign up for it and you get it and you can read the column that is the newsletter. We can read that, but I can't read your column at the paper. Um, I got to tell yeah, you, because, though. Because you live, you live in Florida. Why I should live you in pay? Florida whatever a month to subscribe. Right. If I lived in Philly, I would. Inquire. We it's subscribe. The same reason. I, I would, I would love, there are, there are stories in the Miami Herald I would love to read and I'm, I'm not going to pay to subscribe right. to the Miami Herald because, and so, yeah, I mean, and so everybody says, well, you should have micro payments where you could pay 25 cents for yeah. this article or something right. like that. It, it, and they should, I mean, the problem is the basic model they feel they need to survive is having monthly subscribers yeah and i think they i think the feeling now for now is until they get up to a level of monthly subscribers that they feel is sustainable which to be honest almost no publication is at that level yet until they get to that level i think they're afraid that offering micropayments would undercut the monthly subscriptions that they need it's a well it's a shame it's a it's a mess but um but but i you know i mean people I mean, there's there's certainly a demand, not not just a need for news, but there's also a demand for it. And you know, we'll we'll figure it out over time. But the figuring out is taking a long time, and it's it's been a very difficult process. It is. And 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 then there's this. So there's Jesse in the chat room who just wrote, "I refuse to pay for the garbage that is in my local paper. Nothing but old recycled AP and religion slash sports. And that's yeah. the problem in a lot of places." Because right. they've cut the staffs. They don't pay for local journalists to do the work in a local newsroom anymore, which I think is hurting us, which is probably why we did not have the heads up on George Santos, because nobody did the work. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and, and you know, it, it's like any it's like it's it's a downward spiral. Right. And, you know, in, in, in the case that your listener, Jesse, cited and, and other, you know, it's like the cuts came first. And then they then they asked you for money. It's like, yep. 
No, I mean, maybe if they'd asked for money and gotten it, they wouldn't have had to make the cuts and it would be, you know, it's, uh, it's, right. uh, it, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation, but, but we all, you know, I mean, one thing, one thing that, you know, those of us who were, you know, progressives or liberals or whatever we're calling ourselves these days, <laughs> you know, uh, um, one, one thing that I think differentiates us from conservatives or, 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 or wing nuts or whatever we're calling them these days is that we, we appreciate news. You know, our, the, frust- the frustration that people on the left have with journalism isn't that we don't like journalism. It's that it's not delivering for us, you know, that it's not um, uh, investigating the people we want them to investigate or whatever. Whereas on the right, they, they hate what journalism is. They, you know, good, good journalism they, that, you know, that exposes, you know, the kind of malfeasance that too many of their politicians are involved in is, is something they hate that they don't want, you know, right. and, and, and they, they've lumped it in as part of their critique of um, elites, you know, the cosmopolitan elites, you know, journalists are, Journalists, as you know, or, you know, along with radio hosts, right? Or, <laughs> well, nobody's saying radio hosts anymore radio hosts. either, unless yeah, you're right. a right winger. And here's the yeah. thing, you know, the Republicans, right. when they call talk about news, well, they don't know news. What they have is our propaganda channels that present a fictionalized version of the news. I think you've you've heard this before. I think I've played this for you. Your original source for fake news. Fox News. We make shit up. They make shit up. And yeah. and and any any outlet or any story that covers something that paints one of them in a not so positive light, fake news. And that has spread. I know we're running out of time here, but oh my god. Yeah, and and, and, and you're- the thing about Fox News, I mean I mean you know I mean if you if you truly believe in the first amendment and a free press, then certainly there's a right to have a conservative press. My, my complaint, you know, some people say that Fox News shouldn't exist. I, I, I can't they can't, really make they the shouldn't case. call themselves news because yeah, they're right. not reporting news. They're making yeah, I mean, shit right. up. I, I, I mean, I, would, I, I, I can't really make the case that a conservative news outlet can't exist. I think they have a right to exist, but they don't have a right to, like you said, make stuff up. And they back, don't a, back, they in don't, the, back in the yeah. day, Will, when news was news, it was not conservative or progressive. It was news. It was the facts. And it didn't have a lean left or right. It was just the news. And that doesn't exist anymore. And even when someone tries to do it, as you know, they like News Nation says they're trying to do that. CNN <laughs> says they're trying to do it. Yeah. CNN is now Fox Light. Actually, Fox Extreme, because they blew up this this Joe Biden document uh, story beyond. Yeah, did, you that? did you see that? Did you see that chart was amazing that somebody somebody did a chart and it turned out that cnn actually covered the joe biden document thing more than fox like four times as much as fox yeah did. i know it was crazy i mean because, because that's their mentality they're so under this guy chris lick their new boss right they're so determined to prove that they're not in the tank for joe biden yep. that when something slightly negative for joe biden comes along the you know, it's they won the Super Bowl, you know, they're right. going crazy. Right. You know, and uh, and um, I mean, it's it's it, it's terrible for their business because the people who 
hey, Joe Biden, they're all watching Fox News. Yep. <laughs> and, and the people the people who might give CNN a chance, you know, aren't watching that. I mean, nope. I mean, I mean, I still watch CNN sometimes because I watch it for like something like the California flooding or whatever. Right. Because they're they're good for they're good for that type of story because they on, honestly, to be honest, they have more I think reporters on the ground they than do. like say MSNBC yep. does. True. But. But, uh, you know, if it, when it's political, I like, you know, I, I like pray that it's Monday and Rachel Maddow's on, you know, or <laughs> uh, uh, there's not there's not that much, you know, and I, I really like Chris Hayes a lot, but there's not too, there's not too many um, political folks no. on any of the networks that I'm really that excited. about. Right. I get it. And, and, and yeah. I can't point to anyone who's an objective journalist anymore. Everybody's got a point of view. And it's okay if that's the way it is, but there's got to be some mechanism in place so that news, if it's called news, it has to be news. It has to be just facts and not opinions. And we don't have that anymore. We don't have the fairness doctrine. We don't have any of the regulations that um, used to uphold that principle. It just doesn't exist anymore. And so we're stuck with, with this propaganda presented as news. So you have a good half of the population who thinks that they're watching Fox, they're getting news and they're being misinformed and they're being lied to. And that's what brings us to, you know, January 6th. And here we are. Uh, Will Bunch, uh, we didn't even get to your, your newsletter the, this week. So yeah, Bolsonaro. This, uh, yeah, I, I, I forget what I was actually supposed to talk about when uh, I, I came on, but there was just some, there, there was just so much. That's, so, that's what it was. Yeah. We talked Santo. I mean, look, there, we could, we yeah. could go on for hours. And again, if you subscribe to Will Bunch's newsletter, you got a thing yesterday about the whole uh, insurrection in Brazil that leads directly back to Donald Trump and his minions. And when yeah, will we hold these people accountable? Speaking of, speaking of Florida, right? It all leads back to your to your state. So yeah, and Bolsonaro is still here. Why has he not been deported? I I, I don't know. They, they should really move swiftly on that. But uh, well, well, we talked about we talked about Jeff Beck, who was we a did. real one, and we talked about George Sandoz. Yep. It was a fake one. So yeah. uh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, Will Bunch, find him. You're still on the Twitters at Will underscore Bunch. Um, subscribe to the newsletter in uh, uh, Inquirer dot com slash bunch will get you the thing just sign it up and it'll hit your inbox and you'll read it, and you'll be informed it's free it's free it's every free. tuesday and it's free every tuesday thank you will yeah. all right thanks a lot nicole all Great right seeing you, again. you too take care right, bye-bye. bye-bye uh there you go will bunch see i had to show you that he's fine look i have brain farts all the time you know i i can't blame him and i i knew that's what happened anyway all right so tomorrow Tomorrow is Thursday. Howie Klein will be here. Friday, I believe we're going to speak with Rebecca Jones, the Florida uh, uh, COVID numbers person who got um, uh, targeted by the other Santos, DeSantis, the other devil. Um, And and I just got uh, Friday. uh, That's Friday. And then I got confirmation that I'm taping with with Dave Mason on Monday. sad about Jeff Beck. All right, I'm going to go listen to Jeff Beck music tonight. Uh, I'll leave you with the news, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening, everyone. (sighs) To better days ahead, sometime, out there, someday, some way. It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. Well, I hope you weren't planning on flying anywhere today. Wednesday began with a bombshell of a breaking news story. 
And as we go to press, shortly after 9 a.m. Eastern, the Federal Aviation Administration is lifting a ground stop on flights across the U.S. that went into effect at about 6.20 this morning following a computer outage that resulted in thousands of delays at airports nationwide. At about 6.20 this morning, the FAA ordered all U.S. flights to delay departures until at least 9 a.m. Eastern. Due to heavy congestion, they cleared flights to depart at Newark and Atlanta airports, but the agency said that normal air traffic operations would resume gradually across the U.S. following the outage. More than 3,700 flights were delayed. More than 640 were canceled. The FAA said it continues to look into the cause of the problem. At least 17 people are known to have been killed and at least one child remains missing as record rainfall continues to soak California, prompting flash floods and widespread damage with more storms expected through Friday. Rainfall amounts of up to seven inches are expected in Northern California and the Pacific Northwest, areas that have already forced tens of thousands of residents to leave their homes. The conditions were made possible by a weather phenomenon known as atmospheric river. It's a plume of deep tropical moisture that's stretching across the Pacific. Now, rain was needed, and it does offer a little bit of help to this drought-stricken area, lifting maybe 7% of California out of exceptional drought conditions. But those conditions can also increase the threat of flooding and mudslides. These storms come five years after mudslides killed 23 people in the Montecito community alone, again having been evacuated. And for perspective, San Francisco has seen nearly 13 inches of rain, making it the third wettest 15-day stretch since 1849. Wow. Speaking of California... Congresswoman Katie Porter of California's 47th Congressional District announced Tuesday her 2024 bid for the Senate seat currently held by Senator Dianne Feinstein. It's worth noting that the 89-year-old Feinstein has not officially decided whether or not she's running for re-election. I'll just leave that there. The new Republican leadership in the House on Wednesday continues its start-of-session work in determining the composition of its committees as the new speaker attempts to include the hostage-taker's demands he agreed to in order to get the gavel. For example, on Tuesday, Republicans pushed through, along party lines, a plan for a new House subcommittee to investigate what Republicans call the weaponization of federal agencies. The incoming House Judiciary Chair, Jim Jordan, said that the Justice Department, especially the FBI, has, quote, ridiculed conservative Americans. The subcommittee, a part of Jordan's committee, will have access to sensitive intelligence and the power to oversee criminal investigations as the Justice Department continues to examine the former guy's effort to reverse his 2020 election loss. Incoming Congressman Daniel Goldman of New York said, quote, the primary purpose of this special committee is to interfere with the special counsel's ongoing investigation into a conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election. This is a shocking abuse of power. It is. In fact, Republicans are likening it to the 1975 church committee that was formed to investigate overreach by intelligence agencies. They're arguing that the FBI and the Justice Department have overstepped 
in their investigations into the former president and his supporters. They say parents have been treated like, quote, terrorists by the Justice Department at school board meetings. Maybe it's that parents have been acting like terrorists at school board meetings. Just saying. Jamie Raskin, who will be the top Democrat on the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, formerly known as the House Oversight and Reform Committee, said, quote, Democrats first need to explain to the public that the whole purpose of this committee is to interfere with federal criminal law enforcement. Thank you, Congressman Raskin. You just did. Touche. Republican lawmakers also said they'll look into the government's relationship with tech companies, pointing to internal Twitter communications released by Elon Musk from before Musk took Twitter private last year. Democrats are calling it the, quote, tinfoil hat committee and the insurrection protection committee that will interfere with law enforcement. Buckle in. In other news, Congressman Pat Fallon, Republican of Texas, introduced articles of impeachment against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. And the House Oversight Committee is about to launch a probe into classified documents found in President Biden's former think tank. A big difference between the two cases of classified documents found at President Biden's former office than that found at the former President Trump's home. President Biden on Tuesday said he was surprised to learn about potentially classified documents found in a Washington office he once used, and he didn't know what was in them. CNN's reporting that the 10 documents included U.S. intelligence memos and briefing materials on subjects including Ukraine and Iran. The papers are dated 2013 to 2016 when Biden was serving as vice president under then-President Barack Obama. The material was found in a locked closet in boxes that also contained unclassified documents. Biden's personal attorneys found the papers and immediately turned them over to the National Archives. Incoming Speaker Kevin McCarthy said the discovery showed that the Justice Department's seizure of government records from Donald Trump was, quote, political. Actually, it was nothing of the sort. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and the Nicole Sandler show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is listener funded and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com and please click on that donate button.